This is Prince Remembered, a podcast from 89.3 The Current. Today, a conversation with the tech writer, entrepreneur, and social media power user, Anil Dash, about Prince's secret life as a computer nerd. Hey, this is Andrea Swenson, and I am here now with Anil Dash. So excited. He's in town. He agreed to stop by and chat. Hey, Anil. Hello. I'm so glad to be here. So I am trying to think of the right way to introduce you because <laughs> I know you through Twitter. We've mm-hmm. developed a Twitter friendship, sure. and you are a huge Prince fan. That is not what you do for a living. But no, you've... not yet. I wish it were. But uh... <laughs> but you've developed this real uh, love of Prince that is so palpable. Mm. And I think of you almost like a, a historian of Prince's kind of relationship to technology and to his fans. How would you describe your relationship to Prince and his music. You know, I mean, well, everybody has that story if you're my age of being whatever it was, a, a kid and seeing, you know, these songs come out and, and change your life. I mean, I definitely remember hearing um, the muffled sounds of controversy through the door to my sister's room when I was a kid and sort of, oh, that's forbidden. I wonder why, uh. um, you know, and, and that was definitely there. And then, and then like, you know, everybody who grew up in the 80s, like here's the music, it's omnipresent and it's amazing. And, you know, the the... Back then, the sort of um, the thrill of going and digging through the crates to find, you know, was there one of these uh, 12-inch singles that was still in print and doing that. Um, and then the interesting thing for me, right, sort of at the age that I am, is uh, I, you know, came out um, of high school and was really into technology. I was, uh, you know, making like little now what we would call apps and, and right, you know, the web came out right as I... Um, um, got out of high school and into college and was like, I didn't, I actually ended up dropping out of college because I just love the internet so much. And the first thing I found was the sort of Prince community online because he had done, well, he'd changed his name and he'd done the interactive CD-ROM. Right. And a lot of fans, I think, were like, I got to go upgrade my computer to be able to run this thing because like it was not a, you know, it wasn't like a, you know, download this off the app store and you're off and running. It was like, this is a process. And literally, I remember um, there was a, um, a news group, which was the sort of discussion forums on the, on the internet before the World Wide Web even was existing, and and people being like, I have to install a sound card in my computer so that I can play Prince Interactive CD-ROM, and and what the <laughs> hell do we call the guy now? And you know, it was a great, and so the, this sort of community is forming together, and really forged in this crucible of understanding technology. Um, a lot of people don't know that you know around this time. So the um, I think the same month that he changed his name in June of '93. Uh, the Prince News Group was formed, huh. and these discussions were going on. There were um, uh, internet services for like chat and things back then. Prodigy was one of them. It was one of the first places. There was like a weekly Prince fan chat. As Prodigy faded and AOL took over, it moved to AOL, and there would be um, the room was called Paisley Park, and there would be a a you know a Prince fan chat. And it started on Monday nights, um, but it started going longer and longer as more people joined, and so we're like, oh, it'll be a little easier doing the weekends. We moved it to Sunday nights, and after we had been doing it. This is like a couple of years, so 94, 95, at that point, these other mysterious uh, handles would start to show up in the chat room. Ah. Um, and so, you know, the Emancipation album didn't come out until 96, um, but the names on the, the, the AOL accounts were like, and these are like Twitter handles, so they were short, were like bed ice cream, right? And there's the song on Emancipation in this bed ice cream. So it was mm. like this sort of, you know, tip off of this thing that's coming on and, a couple other handles were like NPG 2000, and uh, one was Henna 2000, and Henna was um, my taste dog at the time. 
and and you know and people would sort of piece it together like isn't that her dog's name you know it was this sort of like thing and it was like who are these people and um and then they, the the moment that I think it clicked for a lot of us, and there was a couple dozen fans that would be there every week and talk about, you know, sure. literally at that point, like, how do you say the symbol and what does it mean? And is he ever going to put a record out again? I mean, there were these really like, what is going on with this guy? Yeah, and that was a like confusing time in his career. Yeah. And keep in mind, this is only two years after he'd had huge hits with like Diamonds and Pearls and the Symbol album. So like he was a very mainstream act. It wasn't like he hadn't really faded that much. And right before that, he'd had uh, Most Beautiful Girl, which was like one of his biggest hits that he ever had. And so he was seen as a very current artist and never more inexplicable, right? Like right after the symbol uh, name change, but before it had ever been explained, mm-hmm. before, you know, he had sort of given any context to it at all. And people genuinely thought he was like disturbed, like he was off, you know? Right. And so the fans are like, what happened? This guy 10 years ago is the biggest thing in the world. What's going on? So there's a lot of this like really... What felt very fraught, and you know, to, part of it too is like I was like nineteen, so like everything really matters, you know, yeah. about your favorite yeah. musician. And um, so these folks from Paisley Park that we knew were inside somehow start coming in and talking to the chat room, and um, and the moment that to me jumps out would have been in January of ninety five. Um, they this order, I don't even remember which of the hands was. It was just sort of casually, it's like, yeah, Prince is working on this medley of all his songs because he's going to retire Prince at the American Music Awards. And we're like, what do you mean? And they're like, Prince is dead. And, you know, it was very, it was like confusing. Like he yeah. hadn't used this sort of rhetoric or whatever. And, you know, lo and behold, less than two weeks later, he does this, I thought, really great American Music Awards performance where uh, they played what would become the Purple Medley single. They played like a three or four minute sort of medley of all of his um, greatest hits under the name Prince. And then literally or like, you know, his name changed to a simple, like they did this whole voiceover. And he did a medley of songs that would be uh, on the gold experience later. Okay. Um, but it was exactly as this, you know, mysterious AOL account had laid out. And there was no way, it was like, this. Is, there was no leaks. It was not in the press and the media. None of us were connected to, like, newspapers. Like, these days, if it happened on social media, it would have been in the newspaper the next day and, right. you know, vetted or verified or confirmed or denied or whatever. But we were like, oh, my gosh, this person's there. Like, they know. They called it. And, um, and it was just stunning and you just sort of, you know, and it was funny too because i think a lot of us were like fairly young and you wanted to like kind of poke the person next to you and be like i i think this is prince like i think you know <laughs> and you know people are like you've lost your mind too you know like it was a really like kind of crazy moment and um and that to me i think for and i still it's funny because there's people there who i was in those chats with 20 some years ago who i'm still friends with Wow. And was connected to. Some of them are like senior at Google or at like have gone on to these amazing careers. Because, I mean, you know, we were all like teenagers, early 20s. And then you get up and you grow up and you get married and have kids and all that stuff and have a career. <laughs> and um, and to sort of reconnect in the, the recent years, like on Facebook and Twitter, as you do with like your old like classmates or whatever, um, was really interesting. And so and then as that reconnection happened in the last couple of years, I was like, do you remember this? Like a little bit like sort of did I half remember this wrong? Like, am I? Were Nuts we in the here. chat room with Prince? <laughs> yeah. And um and I'd saved transcripts from a couple of the conversations. Oh wow. Um and you know, after he passed, you know, I I said to my wife, I was like, you know, I think I had like a, you know, I am conversation with Prince in nineteen ninety six. And, you know, my wife knows me like, you know, for t- fifteen years now. So she's like, Okay. <laughs> you know, like she wasn't like get you know, go get help. She was like, Okay, this is this is fine. And um, I had sent a note of uh, condolence to Maite. Um, we had just connected online because she mm-hmm. was a fan or whatever. Um, 
And uh, just as a sort of follow-on, I, uh, I was like, by the way, you know, so a lot of us fans have been wondering for 20 years now, was this, you know, was this really you? Was this, you know, people? And she's like, oh, yeah. And it's like, well, what about this other name? And she's like, oh, that was Prince. <laughs> so <laughs> which just, one was him? You know, well, and it was the way he used the name. So I, I'm trying to remember. I think she was like, it depended on what times. Um. Like the handles were used by different people. And he, I mean, actually, this is something he did many times over the years is this like, we're this broad collective and we're from this voice that is Paisley Park or the NPG or whatever. And it's like, oh, listen. It's not like, you know, it's over there. That person in the corner is the one writing. It's like, we know who's going to approve everything before it goes out. Um, and then the other sort of interesting parallel to this is that he had, you know, whatever, 15 or so websites over the years that he right. would sort of start up and abandon after his attention wandered. And um, me being a geek, my, you know, my background is I work in social media and had sort of helped create a lot of early social um, networking, social media tools. And so I knew um, the tech folks because I'm in tech. And so I would reach out to the, the web folks, um, people like Sam Jennings, who did a lot of websites over like the early to mid-2000s for Prince. Um, uh, Scott Addison Clay, who did the Lotus Flower site and, and the sort of things around that era. Um, and even earlier people. And, um, you know, I just kept in touch with them because we were internet nerds. Yeah. And also, of course, Prince fans. And... Um, you know, I'd reach out to them and be like, oh, yeah, you know, he was spending a lot of time. And one of the things I think people don't really realize is like a lot of the folks who were engineers and studio staff at Paisley in the mid 90s um, went on to form Bitstream. And Bitstream was one of the first Internet service providers in, in the Twin Cities and later for all of Minnesota and became very sort of important early, like, you know, web access and, and yeah. Internet hosting service. Yeah. And, you know, uh, like Michael Koppelman and, and uh, just a bunch of people actually that were over there were, you know, in a real way, pioneers of the like, kind of Twin Cities Internet scene, too. Crazy. And and so and that so both my worlds intersected and it was like there was nothing that could have been more, um, you know, just compelling to me as like the two things that I was like really obsessed with. Yeah. Was, like the Internet and prints and like, here's both, you know, and um and that's part of why it was so well done. Like the, re like the first website he did in 96, the dawn.com, was really good. He got agency.com to build it, which was like at the time, like the hot studio that was doing those sorts of things. Hmm. But it was still very Prince-like in that he would kind of just disappear things from the site sometimes. And so I started archiving it because I realized he, you know, it's funny, for as meticulous as he was about how like he would present himself or his music, he was also very haphazard. Like, you know, the... After, over time, I kept thinking, like, people was like, his B-sides are so good. I was like, it's also just really bad catalog management <laughs> to have, like, some of the best stuff you've ever recorded on this song that you can't buy for any price anywhere. Right. You know, until, the, like, the Hits collection came out, at least we had some of them. But, like, I treasured those 12-inch records because it's like, some of those still have never been released in any format that you can buy. Right. Um, but that also knit the community together because it was like, oh, you've got this? Well, I've got that. Let's trade. And... You know, back in the 80s and 90s when I started collecting, I remember literally sending a self-addressed stamped envelope to, like, some guy in Sweden. And be like, <laughs> I hope you'll send me back a VHS tape, and I hope it works on American VCRs. And, like, you know, three months later, lo and behold, something would show up. I actually found in doing the research recently for some of the pieces I've been writing this note from guys like, oh, I have these tapes, these promo tapes that were only distributed at one VH1 event with some remixes of, of you know, a song. And... um and it had the guys like AOL handle. And then, you know, so we all knew each other sort of in these like, you know, not real names, these pseudonyms. And then it has real name for the postal address for him to send it. Um, and it's Stephen Hill, who's now at BET. 
Oh. And is the guy putting together the the BET Prince tribute that okay. they're doing, you know? Wow. Because he stayed a fan. He got to interview Prince back around musicology or something. And, like, he was in the community then. And, like, I was like, I know that guy's, you know, AOL handle from 20 years ago. So people, like, stayed with it and yeah. stayed engaged with it. And I, I just, um, I always found that extraordinary. And so I started archiving it because I knew he was, I think he saw it as sort of like, you know, the, Back in the day in the record stores, they would have the flats, those cardboard rectangles like the size of an album cover. They would use right. to promote it and they put them up all over the record store. And then at the end, you know, you worked at a record store and be like, okay, I'm going to go recycle these or throw them away. Like, who cares? Right. And I think he saw the websites a little bit like that. It's like, it's going to promote this album and then it's going to go away. Hmm. And as fans, it was like, no, this is like the stuff you're writing is incredible. And on that very first website, the dawn.com, one of the first things he posted, it, clearly the site had been tied to. Um, all the things going on in 1996. He got married in February. Um, the last kind of you know significantly promoted Warner's albums like Chaos and Disorder came out, and then Emancipation came out in October in the fall, and was supposed to be obviously tied to you know, the birth of his child and his you know freedom, all these things. And he started setting all that up um, in advance of the wedding. The Dawn.com was initially promoted as like you know it was going to give the details of his wedding. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That was like the teaser graphic. So we're like, wow. I mean, because just the idea of Prince being married, period, was like, that guy? Really? <laughs> you know, it was like stunning. It was un- unfathomable. I mean, we all loved my day, but it was like, really? You yeah. Know? And um, and they had this, The one of the very first things they did was like, they, well, actually they had their honeymoon in, in Hawaii and they did, of course, concerts there because why wouldn't you do <laughs> giant concerts in Honolulu on your honeymoon? <laughs> And, like, they started promoting that, and they put up the program for the wedding. And it was, like, you know, this kind of beautiful romanticized story of, of Prince of Maite, well, you know, the artist formerly known as Prince of Maite meeting each other and what their uh, relationship was about. And, and it was a really, it was very sweet, and it was also, like, stunningly personal. It was, like, this view into his life. Hmm. And then, being a geek, we're like, well, what else is on this site? So we started poking around, and in those days, if you would just sort of, type in the address of a website and leave the web page off. It would just show you, like, here's the other files that are on this part right. of this web server. And we just started finding stuff. I mean, there was tons of stuff. Um, and uh, one of them was this letter called A Letter from the Artist. And it was uh, it was stunning. It was in plain English. Not even, like, he wasn't using, like, a picture of an eye for the word I. Mm-hmm. Like, he spelled out the word for like for the first time since like you know before controversy like it was incredible and he wrote he reproduced the um press release he'd put out in like late 95 about wanting to sever his contract with warner brothers which had gotten some pickup then and we you know in those days we were still reading like a print magazine to get that news yeah and then he wrote a first person letter from prince about why he changed his name what his issue was with the record industry he said and you know it was so rare for him to make a public statement not in music that was vulnerable. Right. And he's like, you know, I was a young kid of 17 when I agreed to this recording contract and I made mistakes. Mm. And uh, still, it almost takes my breath away because you never heard something like that from him publicly. And it's like, he could be extremely vulnerable in music, but that was almost a different character. Do you think he wanted that to be found? I mean, he's so in control. You know, and it's funny. So what happened was we found it, and um, that was actually what I had, the one and only sort of AOL chat conversation I had with him about. Was I said, you know, we found the letter. And I was like, I just, I beg you to put, literally I said, I beg you to put it out. 
Mm. It's, it's, you know, the world needs to hear this. And, and I mean, I still feel that way. And, uh, you know, and he just said in time, wow. <laughs> you know, like a very like, you know, <laughs> he, he kept he kept up the mystique even in chat, you know, and I talked to a lot of other people who had much more substantive conversations with him. And they're like, you know, Prince is Prince. <laughs> and uh, um, and and then a couple weeks later, they put out like this edited version of it that was like from 